0: Hey there, Horribles. Before we get started, this is just Jeremy dropping in to remind you that if you enjoy this podcast, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash progressivelyhorrified. We would love it if you would do that. It really helps us make more stuff, and it would uh, be greatly appreciated on our part, because it's it's not easy making a podcast like this. It's a lot of fun, but we'd love to uh, be able to... (laughs) To make it pay for itself, if nothing else. So, this episode is about Nightmare on Elm Street. It's not our usual format, so there's not going to be a whole lot of spoiler warnings. Uh, We are going to jump right into this sucker and talk about one of the best all-time horror movies. Uh, So, be ready, because here we go. Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified. The show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. <laughs> Good evening and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the podcast where we hold horror to progressive standards it never agreed to. It's scary movie month, so we're doing something a little bit different this month. We're revisiting the first movies of some of the classic slasher franchises, and we're bringing a whole party of our friends along to talk it out. Our next stop is the reason that we'll never sleep again, A Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm your host, Jeremy Whitley, and with me tonight, I have a panel of cinephiles and cinebites. First, my co-host and comic
1: book writer, Ben Kahn. Ben, how are you tonight? To quote Gordon Ramsay, finally, some good fucking food. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm just gonna start the episode with what may potentially be a a bold claim. This movie, was so much more enjoyable than Halloween or Friday the 13th.
2: That is a so much
1: more enjoyable. It's a fight starter, but I don't,
0: I, I can't argue with you on that one. Uh, but next up, my frequent collaborator, comics artist, and certified vampire aficionado, Emily Martin. How are you tonight, Emily?
3: I am into survival.
0: <laughs> That's good. Survival's good. And like I said, we have a whole party of guests tonight. First up. You last heard them when we talked about Annihilation. It's comic book writer, Vita Ayala. Welcome back, Vita.
2: Thank you. Thank you. I'm living the dream, right?
0: Absolutely. Uh, And we also have our resident found footage horror lover, writer, and artist, Steens. Steens, great to have you back.
4: Good to be back. And I got to say, morality sucks.
0: (laughs) Bold claims. We're really leaning (laughs) into this one. Uh, Also, three-peating after... two appearances to talk about hellraiser and hellraiser 2 it's podcaster and critic alana levin how are you tonight alana
5: hello i'm just going to pretend we're talking about nightmare on elm street 2 instead which is the gay one <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're gayest. Some arguments about that which, as we've been talking about this one this week uh which is gayer nightmare on elm street 2 or nightmare on elm street 3 um but it's definitely not this one those
1: two are definitely <laughs> two I, ones. I have to ask Where do we rank Johnny Depp's like long sleeve belly shirt?
5: That is the, uh, that is the gayest thing in
4: this movie. So very highly.
6: It's very highly rated.
4: 10 10 out of 10,
6: no doubt. It's like the equivalent of like Johnny Storm's crop top.
4: Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Necessary. We need to return
1: to the casual gayness of 80s fashion. (laughs) I think we're there. I think there's, the kids are making it happen we're helping yeah
0: (laughs) and our next guest you heard last when we talked about attack the block the writer of the diversity and horror blog morgan good to see you again morgan
7: good to see you again as well i'm really excited to talk about one of my favorite horror
0: movie franchises Mm -hmm. it's a good one much better than that last one we covered boo that one and uh back from our conversation about black swan editor for boom comics elizabeth bry how are you elizabeth
8: hi happy to be here excited to be back and to talk about the iconic fashion honestly of Nightmare <laughs> Street. i don't know who's more iconic johnny depp or freddie
7: krueger himself
0: like mm. a car a tough call
7: yeah he's <laughs> got yeah, oh, that yeah. sweater and everything it's pretty pretty impressive
0: yeah. i mean are we not into leather jacket with no shirt underneath is that not a look we're going for well, no I,
1: shoes. Is the part. It stresses no me out. Shoes. I did want to ask do we have any proof throughout the movie that Rod knows how buttons work? <laughs> Probably <laughs> no. not. No. He shows, with, he shows up with a button down, like the lowest button is buttoned, and that's it.
3: He has fewer thoughts in his head than he has testicles. <laughs> and because that's what most of his energy is based on his name is Rod oh <laughs> okay. and that He's is his only camera. redeeming feature All <laughs> um,
0: right. last but very definitely not least we have one brand new guest tonight editorial director for comics at king features T Fugner how are you tonight T
6: I am super excited to be here and to answer the question that was posed earlier two is the gayer one and three is the queerer one mm-hmm. 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 Good. Mm-hmm.
0: seeing okay. a lot of nodding here okay <laughs> all right that's uh that's a that's a great take i think we can just end right
1: there uh, no. having not seen it there feels something queer about a movie called dream warriors
4: oh man you haven't seen it dude oh. What, uh, oh, what oh it's so these, good it's my favorite and go watch it it's so good <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean, it's, it's, there's docking yes <laughs> <laughs>
8: i'm so excited but to hear so many I'm people say dream warriors is their favorite because it's my favorite and i feel like everyone's been shitting on it for like the last 20 years so
7: but it I mean, has that really, really iconic line the welcome to prime time
3: bitch i mean <laughs> yeah, yeah I that's a bet. really good
4: line <laughs> so is that where
3: bitch comes in because freddie yes. didn't say bitch at all of this movie and i was like what the fuck yeah I, yeah I exactly
1: so it it's interesting in all of the movies we've seen, it feels like an iconic element of the franchise is missing. Uh you know, <laughs> Friday the thirteenth didn't have Jason. This one doesn't have Jason, doesn't have Freddie saying bitch a whole bunch.
3: What does Halloween, Halloween? lack then? Uh
0: the um, entire story about Lori being his sister, which is the basis for out. like a good half of the franchise. Not oh, much. All, yeah.
2: We can just yeah, go from was Halloween say, to Halloween. Like, yeah, not,
1: cool. not much. <laughs> Halloween pretty much holds up. They had uh, they kind of nailed that one on first go around.
0: Uh, well, a little bit about a Nightmare on Elm Street before we jump into it. It is directed and written by Wes Craven. It stars Heather Langenkamp, Johnny Depp, and Robert England. The basic IMDb <laughs> description of this was, the monstrous spirit of a slain child murderer seeks revenge by invading dreams of teenagers whose parents were responsible for his untimely death, which honestly kind of kind of gets it. Most of the IMDb description yeah. is pretty bad.
1: It feels like there's, like, I did watch it and was like, oh, so there's totally, like, a Freddy, like, like, a Nightmare on Elm Street Zero where there's nothing supernatural going on and it's a totally mundane, like, down-to-earth slasher. And then this is our sequel where everything got real bonkers. It's not really a
0: slasher if it's just a if it's just a creepy man murdering children I think. It's just an episode of SVU. Yeah,
6: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so so one of the things that I think is really interesting when you talk about you talk about oh there must have been a prequel that has nothing supernatural in it is that this kind of marks this massive paradigm shift in kind of the slasher movie genre where you go from things like Halloween and Friday the 13th which have these at first at least have these not super not very supernatural and kind of straightforward slasher plots to Oh shit, somebody's attacking us from dreams. And it like completely changed, it completely changed the direction of Slasher Horror for most of the 80s, which I, mm-hmm. I personally am very happy about.
0: Yeah, I think Halloween yeah. has a just a tinge of that because it's like they keep insisting, like, oh, he's evil. He's just pure evil. It's not that he's there's anything wrong with him. It's just there's just nothing behind those eyes. It's just evil back there.
1: I feel like one of this movie's big innovations to the genre was taking place over several days because <laughs> <laughs> yeah honestly, most of them are one yeah night. one of the books yeah. Halloween and Friday the 13th has is that it's a single night and the main character has no idea anything's even happening for most of the movie
2: like you you have no proof that this took over took place over several days that could have all been a dream
1: that's true. That's true.
3: Yeah, so oh. true. yeah the, the ending of this movie, I've, we're in spoiler town now. We talked about what the movie's about. Are, are, do we want to talk about triggers, though, really quick? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah,
0: a probably lot. i mean it's probably yeah. mm-hmm. worth it i mean it is a movie about a character who's a child murderer there are a number of Murdered. uncomfortably sexual situations involving violence in this movie there's lots
1: of gaslighting any knife or blade related trauma mm-hmm. be on the lookout be on the watch jump system. scares just jump like straight scares? up jump
4: scares yeah underage sex considering
5: it tina comp? is 15
3: oh yeah yeah 15.
5: But it's with another young person. It's like not with like- a, It's off you know. camera as well. And yes, and it's off camera.
1: I, I did yeah. enjoy Heather Langingham's line. I look like I'm 20, she says, yeah. very much being <laughs> 20 years old at the time of filming.
5: But she looks more like a young teenager than they usually do. Like, oh, yeah. I was impressed- they made her i was impressed life. like i was like wait they're 15 they're not 15 but they totally look like they could be in high school which is i much think a younger. part
4: of it has oh, yeah. to do with her clothing styling and yes. her I height yeah. And, yeah yeah because like i i was watching it and i was like oh yeah she looks like she's 15 when she's walking through the halls of this school like i wouldn't be surprised seeing her as a 15 year old
2: the paper bag um Waistline of her khakis, I think, do a lot to make it look like yeah. they're almost too big, right? Like she, yeah, yeah. it
4: makes make her smaller.
2: smaller. Yeah, and the 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 vest, those sweater, sweater vests are amazing. <laughs> I want literally, all yeah. of them. Definitely, definitely dressed you, but in the best way. Just
7: a lot of iconic fashion statements in this movie.
3: Absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, let me ask before we jump too too much into this: Was there anybody for whom this was their first time seeing Nightmare on Elm Street?
3: It was my first time seeing all of it all the way through. Um, because I'd been, I'd been familiar with it in like samples and references and uh, clips. Like I'd seen plenty of clips. I've seen Johnny Depp die a bunch of times.
1: It's very nice.
3: Never um, enough times. Yeah. I know. I mean, like it's nice because they're on YouTube.
1: Honestly, but, um, what an iconic horror film death, like it is too.
3: The practical yeah. effects
2: in this movie are sick. Yeah, like, yeah. This movie they is, are. is like, fantastic. Except for I legitimately- the title
4: screen. Yes, like, I, <laughs> I like made a note of that. That was my yes. first note because I did like, take notes. My first note is why is this tile screen so cheap when everything else is so good?
1: Like I legit can't <laughs> tell if they had like a blood, like a cannon that they shot upwards or if they hmm. built an upside down room.
4: There was
5: something I saw that was showing how this effect was done in a museum exhibit. Was I it at think the museum image, it, I think?
2: Yeah, I think it's a movie okay. image. They had a I thought they had a rotating room in this one because they also did that. did, but she yeah, had Tina. to like yeah. There was something
5: yeah, with the bed room. though. The bed was in the museum exhibit. Yeah. Unless yeah that because was they also had to a dream.
1: Make the it, way it had to people inside. had to be able to fall into. Again, the practical effects in this movie just killer, like amazing practical effects. I want effects like, the effect race, like coming out of the wall. not seen
0: it. My wife hasn't about thirty okay. years. Oh. She what? still remembered Freddie coming out of the wall yeah, in that the, one yeah. scene. Like yeah. what what the one is. thing she remembers.
5: But the other thing I thought about is: Has anybody else seen Deathbed, the bed that eats? Yes. <laughs> yes. No. So, yes. Okay. So you need to watch this movie because it is the picture of Dorian Gray horror film. Also, there's a bed that eats people.
1: Yeah. Um,
5: but anyway, so bed. 1977. So clearly, that could have been an influence on this guy.
1: Yeah. Deathbed get ready for a surprisingly art house film deathbed yes right yes. and and gay so good
5: yes of course it's good therefore
0: yeah, yeah. i mean, I, I just a... watched killer sofa which was uh is is an australian really? horror movie but Incredible. also uh is about a dibbuk which i did not expect from an oh, cool. australian horror movie
1: Ooh.
0: Ooh. Yeah. It was wow like, oh, an australian horror movie with a lot of jewish mythology oh yeah, I didn't yeah. That.
1: for the record I'm... jewish demons do count as representation <laughs> also, they
0: were haunting
1: a sofa in this movies.
0: So. Oh, dear. <laughs> uh, one other, going to watch this later. Chair.
3: One other thing I wanted to mention, because um, we were talking about special effects, especially regarding triggers, mm. is that if you are a person that does not like the sound of nail scraping... Oh, yeah. This movie plays upon audio horror and audio discomfort. In fact, I, I don't know if it was the mix that I had. I watched it on HBO Max. The mix I had had a lot of really, like, grating, like, treble in the mm-hmm. in the synth in certain mm-hmm. parts. I don't know if that's just that particular sound mix. But the that, along with the effect of Freddy's knife hands, like, scraping on stuff, Yeah, that can be very, very uncomfortable and for some repellent so you know that's it while it is very well utilized in a horror film
0: that plays into an interesting thing for me with this which is like so much of this movie is well ahead of its time and well ahead of those other franchises we were talking about the special effects are all practical and they're done really well it's also with Love new something. line cinema which was a little indie mm-hmm. art house cinema at this point Uh, and this was like their first big thing this is kind of what built new line which doesn't really show throughout this movie because it feels pretty expensive except for the sound mix which is awful
1: Um, (laughs) every time they're outside the sound is garbage
0: god
4: (laughs) it does definitely feel i was saying it definitely definitely feels like ahead of its time in what is scary about the movie, you know, because there's so many scenes that I think relying on the fact that it is a dream like you can do literally anything. One of the things that I was thinking about was the scene where she's in class and she's falling asleep and the student is reciting from Shakespeare. And there's a point where he says, you know, were it not that I had bad dreams. And it's just like, so haunting. But what's haunting about it is that you really don't know if this kid is just reading from the book or if it's a part of her dream. And that was, I don't know, that was one of those things where I was like, that's what's scary, is like not jump scares, not monsters, like am I dreaming or am I awake, you know?
2: I was gonna say the sound and that does something interesting where they they cut out almost all of like the background noise, but Mm -hmm. you can still hear him, but he sounds very far away intentionally and that that shit made it so creepy for me like yeah yeah oh no yeah. am i dreaming uh,
5: and i'm I mean, like i know this is gonna come but i think it's really key though because this could be triggering for some people in some ways i think the thing that's most scary about this movie is you know what's really happening and nobody believes you and that's sort of like the horror that like rosemary's baby relied on and mm. is sort of like the thing, like you said, like, I guess, I guess you brought that up when you mentioned the gaslighting. But I guess to me, yeah. that's like always the thing that just is like the most intense.
6: It, and it's very specifically parental gaslighting. Yes. Which, yes. yeah. With, and I think, especially for somebody who for, first saw this movie as a little kid, it feels really real. This whole like, oh God, like my parents don't believe me. The teacher said I did something wrong and my parents believe the teacher, that kind of stuff that happens so much when you're a kid. Um, But I wanted to follow up on something that Steen said. I think that one of the things that this movie does beautifully is it's one of the few real representations of how dream architecture really works. Like one of the things that drives me nuts um, about Inception is that that's not how dreams work. That's not what people's dreams look like. And it feels like for me in this, all of the dreams borrow from real spaces. They mix real spaces up. They mix real people up with fictional people. That's what a dream is like. Like you're, Mm -hmm. you know, you're walking through your own house, you're sitting in your classroom at school, and then suddenly you're in this weird warehouse. And For me, like I literally just had a movie that uh, had a dream last night that like I was at work and then I walked out of my office and I was in my old high school and then I opened a door and there was a basement where Goku was from Dragon Ball. (laughs) And like that's that's what this feels like. He was yeah. wearing clothes.
1: Yeah. The <laughs> one thing I want to say about the sound in is the bathtub scene when Freddy's hand comes out of the water and his glove oh. makes a laser beam sound effect. Multiple makes a
3: plot, a laser sound, especially when he does a tongue thing at some point. He's like mm. like someone's shaking. a
1: <gasps> Every <That's> laser <laughs> sound is a Amazing in this movie.
3: Yeah, the, the synth, soundtrack is fantastic, and then you have the it synth is. soundtrack and the the uh the boiler room. And I'm like, I'm here. I this is where I this is where I live now. This is my. This is like so industrial. It's like the <laughs> the video for this corrosion, but just like the whole movie. But yeah, not. I
0: think what movie. what he was saying is it's super interesting to me. Is that like the way that they play the dreams is very interesting because there are several points where people are not sure whether they're in a dream and then somebody opens a door and they're in that like space of Freddy's you know boiler room again and it's like oh no we're here again that's a very relatable like dream feeling and then I I love the way Mm -hmm. that like Freddy plays with sort of dream logic in like that first scene that you see him chasing uh, the the other girl, where like Gina. he has yeah, where he has those extending arms that just sort of oh keep going. Out yes, just, um, oh, yeah. Freddie's yeah. magic
1: spaghetti arms, and then he runs the <laughs> craziest fucking run I've ever was, seen after her. Uh, it it looks like his pants were
2: down somehow. Like his legs were yeah. not. Like
7: I was, like Stretch Armstrong. It's the a double dash. On.
2: It's a double dash. I feel like too, they two. <laughs> They do a good job of using not just um, not just those things where they fall asleep, but also scene breaks to be like, Lord knows what's going on now. There's literally no way to tell. There's no indication yeah. at all. And you're like, okay, do the scene breaks mean you're going from reality to dream? Is that every time? Like, is there any pattern? And I can't discern a pattern. Yeah. I've seen this 10 times. And that's
4: what makes it scary is that you really can't figure it out. But that also is kind of like why I hate when people tell me about their dreams because it's like (laughs) i'm living i could be living a dream right now this is not interesting in any way shape or form so like get to the scary part because right now you're just explaining a subway (laughs) you know well it's about the vibe in a movie yeah yeah i I
7: like that you can't really tell like if it's dream or not um because it feels like when you're like those kind of waking dreams you have when you're not quite asleep So you're not quite sure what's real and what isn't. Yeah. Yeah. I've always found that incredibly disorienting. And I've never really liked that feeling when I'm like partially awake and aware what's going
1: around. But I'm still dreaming at the same time. It's a horrible
4: feeling. Yeah, it's
1: awful. I find the mundane nightmares so much scarier than the fantastical nightmares. Because when shit gets too weird, my brain goes like, this ain't real. This is some dream shit. When it's like, fuck it, it's finals. And you you haven't been to class at all this semester. I'm like, yeah, that that gets me so much more than like, oh, no, I'm trapped with the gigantic telepathic fascist spiders. How do you you know you're conscious
2: that you're in dreams when that happens? Because I, in a dream, I'm like, fuck the spider. That's my reality. That's it. Like, I've never, (laughs) I I think I've known I was dreaming once in my life. Maybe like that's, that's the worst.
3: (laughs) This movie certainly plays with subjective reality in ways that much more pretentious films don't really nail in terms of like making it a big point of the film and making it work with the narrative. Um, which I think is really great because this, that's where the horror comes from in this movie um, and also the fact that this movie spoilers doesn't have a happy ending where you're like was this mm-hmm. entirely a dream was everything because she says you know give back my friends yeah was everything that happened from the the beginning of the film to the end where she turns her back on Freddy was that a dream and then now is she I just still thought that was
1: Nancy becoming God
3: Sure, then she loses I like and that. that. Yeah,
6: yeah, it's a very, it's a very um, Sarah telling Jareth, "You have no power over me." Moment, and I realize that happens later. You know, the Labyrinth is a is a later oh. movie, but it's that same, it's that same young girl grabbing back power from a man who she sees as all powerful and able to completely
1: control her world. Mm-hmm. So, so I. If I can skip ahead all the way, like to the ending ending, because that final jump scare makes no goddamn sense to me. Like everything (laughs) with the car, I get the car coming like Freddie being the car driving off. No control. Totally get that. But then the last thing where he reaches through the window and gets the mom like, hey, I know it's a dream, but he's in the car. He's the car and in the house. And also. Is the mom real? Is the mom like actually alive, or is she just part of the dream? In which case, why are you just attacking a random dream figment, Freddy? There's and why did she turn into
7: a mannequin all of a sudden?
1: Yeah, <laughs> we do <laughs> should...
7: know
6: from we do know from the second movie, and I know that's getting ahead of ourselves. That, that her mother was murdered. Um, that yeah. there's uh, because that's why they decided to move. Um, so that's you know. So we know that her mother was actually murdered after the events of the movie t- took place. Okay. Um, but whether, after, whether, right. well, yeah, I mean, it could be that last scene, but basically after the events of like what happened that night, um, cause there's the whole, they're, they're talking about the fact that this girl was locked in her house and forced to watch her boyfriend get murdered across the street. And then her mother was murdered. Um, we get like the we get like the the like normal person interpretation of what happened, but we don't really ever find out like exactly what happens in that last scene.
1: Do we ever get I the sequels? It. Like, does Rod show up and he's like, "Hey, I'm alive again"?
0: No, uh-huh. no, no, no. Not, I, Nancy Rod is back dead. up in three, but everybody else. I do
4: think that that dead. scene is like. So I think of it like this. We know that Freddie is going into the dreams of the kids of the parents that killed him. Yeah. So I feel like what is the difference between Nancy and the other kids that he killed? The difference is that her mother told her what happened. So yeah. I feel yeah. like that's a pretty logical reason for Freddie to want to kill her in every form, dream or otherwise, is because she interfered mm. like hella.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 Also, I do appreciate uh, the mom's utter refusal to use a cup in this movie. Oh, fuck Straight that! From no, the she's bottle. an adult, okay? <laughs> when she,
4: misses when her she house. wakes up,
1: <laughs> when she pulls out that vodka bottle like it's a teddy bear, I guess that's another trigger as well.
2: <laughs> oh uh, yeah, oh, like, yeah. So yeah. Much severe
1: alcohol. alcoholism, yeah. <laughs> um, so and
2: like part of her
5: daughter's dream is that mom doesn't drink anymore, and it's oh, like oh. that was
2: heartbreaking to me though. Like that
5: yeah,
3: was yeah,
2: yeah. So there were three d- endings though, right? Like. There are mm. different endings to this movie. They yeah. they all mix and match stuff, but like, I think I think they do how you interpret the film, right? Um, oh, yeah.
1: I didn't know there were multiple. Um,
2: all of them are weird, right? Like, <laughs> there's no normal part of this movie. <laughs> it, um, like,
1: if any slasher franchise was to ever get like the Silent Hill dog and eat Nightmare on Elm Street <laughs> 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 A little control
2: room full of like. This oh is, you know, I, oh, I
1: kind of feel bad for the mom in this,
7: almost. Um, yes. I know she, like, because, like, she did this horrible thing, and she's trying to cope with it, um, which is probably why she's drinking. And she she really feels like she's doing her best to protect Nancy and help her, but she doesn't know what's going on. Because at this point, the parents don't realize that Freddie's coming back in the kids' dreams. Well, so she's just seeing her, her kid, like, go insane, and she's, like, trying to help her.
2: And yeah, I like that she up goes until to a get point too. Like the whole yes. beginning of the yeah. movie, she's super like m- you've never seen this in a movie before, like a horror yeah. movie. The parent is like actually supportive until until suddenly Yeah, she, and she like yeah. takes
7: her to the hospital and tries to get her help, which yeah. like instead of just blowing her off and being like, Oh, you're just being dramatic. Also, right. not yeah, it. it's not a particularly
1: right. huge role, but do want to give a shout out to our old friend Charles Fleischer, who we last saw in Demon Night and mm-hmm. plays the sleep doctor here in this movie oh yes. Ah, yes
4: why wouldn't you so tell the other parents like that that would be my the first other
0: parents thing. are garbage right? in this movie yeah like i really want to... garbage dad. in the past was, too right this is something i know elizabeth I... wanted to talk about yeah elizabeth. i want to hear no, what, what other parents about
4: i it. i just feel like whether you are garbage or not if we together murdered somebody <laughs> we got to put that to the side <laughs> You know, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very it you know like we need to come back and take care of this fucking business, okay? Because this was our business. I don't Perfect. know. I just feel like it's that's what you do when you collectively kill an entity. <laughs>
2: there was no Black parents we can, here uh, for a reason because Black people have been no, like, no, no, he's killing people in dreams. Like, I believe you. Like it's, we, Let's we, figure this we out. Can all agree know, it,
1: that John Saxon absolutely has, I burned a man alive eyes
8: in this movie. <laughs> yes. This was one of the things that like, I told Jeremy that I specifically got hung up on when I watched this movie and part of it was because I was re-watching the movie so I knew already I, I think we all do by this point because it's a movie that informed every horror movie possible at this point but like you know I knew from the beginning that Freddy is mad because these people murdered him and yeah the weird gaslighting the fact that she keeps saying it's this guy named Freddie, and nobody seems to want to acknowledge to her that that's a name that they know and that they recognize because they did something horrible to him for the vast majority of the movie. And only one parent ever acknowledges it to her. Like throughout is bonkers. And then I also, I don't know what this is trying to say because we have like, We, first of all, have a final girl in this and that's awesome. And Nancy rules like she's the coolest character, but every mom, particularly in this movie, like sucks in a different way. Like, Mm -hmm. like we've got like Nancy's mom herself, who is an alcoholic who is not even like functional at this point, like cannot take care of her kid is doing her best, but like is failing. And then we have, like, Tina's mom, who is, like, completely checked out of parenting, isn't even present when her kid gets murdered because she's, like, run off to Vegas with a boyfriend. Yeah. Got, like, that, like, weird, oh, yeah, this mom is, like, this mom sucks because she's, like, kind of slutty and, like, whatever. And then we've got, uh, yeah, Yeah.
3: um, yeah. How does Glenn's oh, mom suck? I don't know. Suck, I though? think
4: Glenn's Glenn's well, mom is exactly
3: yeah. yeah. No. The dad. I think the dad sucks more than Glenn's mom. Glenn's mom yeah. is just weirdly cool with Glenn hanging out and being super misogynistic, which is not great. But your we don't. Get so- you any know, I
4: actually of- thought that was hilarious. I was like, that's actually a really hilarious way to like bond with your son. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't- I don't know. I just. <laughs> I feel like if I were to, even if it isn't a joke. If I were to joke about like, why do I need to listen to this person speak? I'm only looking at them for their body. I would love it if my mom was also in on that joke.
1: (laughs) And we don't get any direct evidence of how he sucks. But for about four seconds, we can see Rod's dad who looks like a really old Elvis. And I need to know (laughs) everything about (laughs) this man.
5: (laughs) Uh, Well, that connects to some of the interesting like class politics of the movie that you sort of see right like while nancy's mom is an alcoholic she also clearly is like a professional right mm-hmm. and i kind of wondered would turn her, her being divorced from her cop dad there's a bit of a diehard sort of look at that woman trying to have a career i'm just a hard-working cop and i really should have a bigger role in my child's life except this movie is sort of like yeah but you suck so
1: fuck you and also fuck the <laughs> yeah <cops. Blasher laughs> but film, like sure, you love their useless cop dads like I used to seeing it, but like the cop dad <laughs> is a we weir- is like a recurring device. I mean You know, and sense. so but but the mom is, you
5: know, she's wearing her like 80s lady business outfits. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, the first girl who gets killed is escaping me. Her mom is clearly working class, like their family is clearly struggling economically in a different way and the boyfriend who doesn't know what buttons are, for example, <laughs> like his dad, he's got an aesthetic. You're like, okay, he's like, his dad is like a greaser now in older age. Like, so it's sort of the story is centering itself around the character who's the most middle class and her surroundings, which is, I mean, a combination of one making assumptions about who the audience is going to find most identifiable, I think is part of why they're doing that for her story and also sort of su- justifying why these are the other kids who got killed first mm-hmm.
2: I would say that it might it might well yes but also there's something to we usually expect these middle class kids to be pampered and unca- like not capable and so mm-hmm. to flip that I thought was really interesting I, I think that you're mm-hmm. right but I also think that 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 flip is interesting in ter- especially because it's a sure game, right Um, I think it would not be as interesting if it wasn't Um, I -hmm. wanted to also go back to to Nancy's mom and something that really struck me this particular viewing um, which is she seems really supportive and put together and like totally on top of everything until the hat comes and then she falls apart in me and so like she seemed to like okay this is a real world problem that has nothing to do with me I can support my daughter and as soon as that tangible evidence like she knew what was happening like she already knew she believed it and that's why she went off the rails right like I feel like you're it it was such a sudden change um that it was really jarring to me and I was like okay maybe maybe it's the hat with his name in it who puts their name in their hat like that also it's it's a yeah that's how you don't lose it
4: and it can come back to you they know who to get it to people who were murdered in the 70s I guess
1: (laughs) That's the first thing you do for any of your murder outfits. Make sure to put your name in it. Just in case you
0: leave any clothes behind, the police can return them to you.
1: I mean, I was honestly
4: considering embroidering my name on all of my clothes recently, so...
1: I yeah. have to say, maybe this is just oh. post CSI talking <laughs> and everything about clothing fibers, but I'm like, man, doing crimes in a cardigan—bold move. Wow.
6: <laughs> so, two things. First of all, Torrid has that shirt on, has that sweater on sale right now. So mm-hmm. it is obviously only in plus size, curvy body sizes, which is awesome. Oh, really? um, but yeah, Torrid, Torrid has it on sale. Um, so if you have ever wanted your own Freddy Krueger sweater, like I did, um, you can purchase one, um, <laughs> end of, end of commercial. Um, so going back to what Vita was saying, uh, it's, it's a really, um, it's really a classic trauma reaction. It's played like a trauma reaction. Um, I have PTSD. I know what a trauma reaction looks like because I have had them. You get, this one you know you can be totally chill with everything and then you get this one thing that you might not even realize is a trigger and suddenly like just everything falls apart and the way that Nancy's mom is played in this is really as somebody who is coping with PTSD. Agreed I I think think it's a really smart like everything that these the way they lay these characters
2: out for better or worse right I think is really thought out um so like Alana was saying like I think that you're right, that that is a th- uh, the reason that they did it.
1: I mean, in the realm of like suburban horror, like that, the subgenre of suburban horror with a mastery class of, um, I feel like so much of what's on, of what's textual is like the teenage, the gaslighting from adults and whatnot. But I feel like the foundation of the genre is really like the fears of parents. Yep. And this mo- leans into that. explore so hard. Like, I feel like there's, And the movie doesn't spell it out, but there's so much that can be interpreted and gleaned from Nancy's parents um, and just their relationship. And you can just fill in the blanks from how they got to this, you know, these murders that rocked the foundations of this like safe bubble suburb they built, this murder they committed and how that like puts them to where they are today.
3: Yeah, there's a... um a uh, very timeless and relatable uh theme here of the kids t- dealing with the problems created by the adults that raise them, um, and the adults not taking those problems seriously or the kids seriously. You know, like this is this is something that that ages. And again, it's not s- super textual, but it's I mean, it is the uh a big part of this movie, especially when it comes to trauma.
0: Uh, and um, I feel and- like is an amazing horror shorthand to have the dad who started stuff, but doesn't believe anything you say also be the cop that doesn't believe anything you say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and It's just mm-hmm. like, just to get both of them out
3: of the way.
1: Yeah. That's yeah. just efficient writing right there.
3: Well, and <laughs> regarding the trauma, um, I mean, there's that, but like we have the the relationship between the adults and the kids. We have the relationship with the families and the community. We have this, this dark community secret. And um, we have the adults kind of not dealing with it. You know, they they literally buried it.
1: Again, bold um, innovation to combine useless cop with the chip.
3: Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's one of the reasons Nightmare on Elm Street is such an iconic film, a big part of the slasher genre. Um,
2: is there any, like, did it strike anyone else's mother kept the knives? A, kept the knives. What a serial killer thing to do. Yeah. But <laughs> be in her boiler? Like...
5: It connects to his spoiler, right? right. Like, Yeah. 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 Which like, is a whole yeah, other I mean, angle of the
1: boy- mother if you're thinking about like, hold on, did she keep a trophy? <laughs> Apparently. Yeah, well, I mean, it, who wouldn't though?
0: I do I mean, love that. that yeah, the movie you know, thing. I, maybe it's like she needs to prove to herself he's dead and as long as she's got yeah, the glove, that means, you know, they I, definitely it's killed him. not ever going
4: to happen. Oh, I was just th- thinking about if I were in her position and I had to get a gaggle of Fellow parents, to kill a, a filthy child murderer, hmm. I think I would probably keep a memento as well, and not as a like. Guess what? I have killed someone, but this guy is not going to come back because this is proof of it.
0: Yeah, it's been a pretty the glove. fucked up PTA meeting. I do appreciate, yeah. it. <laughs> but I wonder which parents actually that crazy like, so she smart weather.
2: Him, but yeah, like, that's true. She doesn't seem. Like if if we're if we're going by the rougher people being actually like from rougher like the rougher kids being from rougher households like it seems to me like those problems like parents probably like killed them like that's I don't know what it feels like to me
1: well man. no that's it you know you don't know what's up with these metal with yeah. like the yeah. so Rod walks yeah. around yeah. With a
2: switchblade I'm just putting that out
1: there like there is yeah. a line that Nancy has where she's like Rod isn't a lunatic and I'm like mm, yeah he is. Well, he's an (laughs) asshole.
4: He's a jerk. He's definitely a a jerky asshole. Yeah. Rod had a a great line. It says, "It's like I could see him cutting her all at once," and I just thought that was like, what a genius way to like describe Mm -hmm. his knife glove without actually saying, "It's like he had razors on his fingers," because no one would say that, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I did appreciate the i Rod's character just having the rational reaction of oh, I know exactly what this looks like. No one's going to believe anything. I say, I got to get the fuck out.
7: <laughs> yeah. But right. I was just wanting to say, like, can we just talk about the fact that Rod was like, apparently Tina's his girlfriend, which I didn't even pick up on at first because he was being creepy to her at the beginning. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Talk about the yeah. fact that it's like felt kind of rapey because he was like, grabs her by the waist and covers her mouth and drags her off. And she's like, please don't leave me alone with this guy. And she seems like she's not like
1: the, guy who, had, the guy who had just established that he is a switch plate and is willing to wave it in people's faces.
7: <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I'm going to have sex with you. And she's like, I don't really want to, but OK. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute.
3: Yeah, that was she a
7: seems fine with it. I'm like, no,
3: It
0: was no. Uh,
3: that was some serpentine yeah. messaging. I will yeah. say that
0: because uh, they, they kind of say that like they were broken up. And you know, um, are fighting. they are, have, have been fighting and they are, I guess, getting back together in this. Yeah.
6: Scene. Yeah. And I think that's how it's being portrayed is that like she's annoyed with him because he did something and they're like broken up or on a break or something. Like, and, mm-hmm. and but the way it's done and the context that we're given, it's so uncomfortable. And not only is it so uncomfortable, what really bothers me is like, her friends are right there and don't do anything like neither of them like neither of them check they're just like yeah nobody's like hey you know you want to order pizza and like bring them back to the group
1: they're just like oh "Oh, they're gonna go do their thing yeah and that
6: it it feels like that too that it's like a habitual thing but there's no context for it in the film for sure and she specifically
7: asked them to stay and not leave her alone with him and i'm like that For me, would be a red flag if my friend was like, "Please don't get involved with this
8: guy." Yeah, like without that. Oh yeah, that's there's like kind of a feeling that this is like some kind of strange foreplay for them that they like Mm -hmm. have this weird fight and then they get to it. But yeah, like the oh, I don't want to be alone in my house with him adds a weird level to that. That's like, are we supposed to
4: read this as this is a uh, not a good relationship or it, it just makes me up. wonder yeah. like what what did people who watch this when it came out think because yeah, we're yeah. watching it now and if someone said that to us now we'd be like she needs to be away from him but i i feel like no it one is going like it was not played like that God. i don't think i don't even think wes wrote it like that yeah, i think I'm it was worried all about, supposed to be joking you know?
1: i am worried yeah. about how 80s audiences took that scene I mean, I think I mean, obviously, this
2: is the
4: reality of it, bad.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think no, she had the world's loudest teenage
5: orgasm. Was- sorry,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. My reaction was closest yeah. to Glenn's, which was like, "Are they together or are they not? What the fuck are we doing here? Like, why are yeah. we here?"
3: At least Nancy was sticking around, though. Like, at least she wouldn't like fuck Glenn because she's like, "I'm here for Tina, not to fuck you." You know, we're here for Tina. You know, she could have she t- 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 could have t- done a lot more, but for, for the time, the fact that she just didn't, it was like, okay, well they're going at it we might as well go,
1: you know, Nancy till act three to just do, just be awesome. I forgot just how amazing the home alone sequence is.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, one of the things that's interesting about her being the final girl is, you know, the narrative we have is that, okay, it's like the brunette who doesn't have sex, who gets to survive. But the thing is she doesn't have sex in this movie, but she has sex right like we don't know 100 percent for sure that she and glenn are fucking during other times of the day but like it seems like they probably are
3: oh yeah so i give it points
5: for that i give
8: it points for that yeah at the same time like the way they dress her i know we talked about this earlier like how much they like aged her down with her clothes but there's also something so virginal about the way she dresses she looks almost like she's in elementary or middle school, basically on her. You outfit.
4: know, they did the same thing with uh, what's her face from *Scream*. What's what's the main girl's name? Search that. Neve Campbell. Nev yes, Campbell. Yes, Neve um, Campbell's yeah. character. Sydney. Is name. Sydney. Thank you, I knew it with Sydney. Because well, I, her outfits are exactly the same, especially her sleep outfits. I actually looked at all of their sleep outfits when I did my illustration of like four final girls. And they all dress like children. Yeah. It's wild. I
1: thought that, yeah, the costuming was wrong for her character because she clearly should have been in a mask and a leotard because when she hits Freddie with that chair, that is some straight up <laughs> WWE shit. <right> there. <laughs> I just love him like I
7: falling down the him. stairs and just getting the shit beat it's out amazing. of him. Like, It's like, amazing. It's great. This movie
2: is weirdly she's hilarious.
7: Just, like, brutal on him. It's great. Yeah.
2: The fact that she thinks to do all that stuff, like no one tells her to, like Glenn's advice is, I don't know, Mien, like lucid dream, which is cool. Like I was like, all right, that's that's not bad advice. But she's already like anyway, so I'm gonna fucking set traps for my house. I better let my mom get blackout drunk so she doesn't Fucking set off any of these traps, but right. I, <laughs> Glenn's like, I, Why
0: are you reading books about survivalist stuff? And she's like, Because I'm into surviving, Glenn. Yeah, I want to live. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah.
7: Don't
6: so want to die.
1: Nancy fucking plays to win.
6: One of the what things about? that I really liked about that and like specifically thinking contextually about responses to other more recent movies um, is how much it's just she's not like if you made that movie now you would have had to spend 15 minutes at the beginning establishing that she was super into survival and had taught herself all these skills and she had taken like an electrician course and knew how to rewire things and because otherwise people would be like oh it's a mary sue it's a mary sue and like here we've got this character who is a totally normal kid who doesn't have any specific particular skills or talents that have been laid out in the movie, but is able to go get a book about the things she needs in order to survive and does it. And Mm -hmm. that's just so gratifying.
1: And like- I feel like the modern remake is you replace the book with a series of like survivalist YouTube videos. And then eventually like Freddie appears in one of the YouTube videos.
3: That would be sick
8: <laughs> as hell. Something <laughs> like, through like, the
1: screen, like video drum.
8: Yeah, she like, actually s- has like that movie too. And like, you are next because slasher movie, they expect that this girl's not going to know what to do to take out this guy. And that exact thing happens. Like at first you're just like, oh, she's quick on her feet. She's, she's just able to think in the moment and figure it out. And then you find out, oh, my dad is like a, a weird survivalist. I grew up in a bunker, like.
4: You know, I, I think that makes me want like to know what fans or <laughs> viewers at that time really thought because I, like what you were saying to you about how they, they would need to have an explanation behind it. It makes me wonder like, what people who have watched it when it came out thought what's the explanation behind her having that skill. Or would they be like, whatever, it's a slasher. She because learned if that. it she was,
2: yeah, yeah, she like, research-based well, like, yeah,
5: Do yeah, we have any like,
4: friends can who are 60 about-
5: yeah. who we <laughs> can <laughs> ask?
4: Like I, mean, was, that's,
5: <laughs> for I need to know. That's-
4: well, I was just saying that it, it feels like the only reason now that we would want that backstory is because viewers now want that backstory, not because the writer feels that they need it, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. And yes. so it makes me wonder like did Wes Craven not explain her backstory because he felt we didn't need it or was it or did or was it actually in there and didn't editor to be like uh, eh, we actually don't need all that just I, let the you know yeah. audience
1: figure it out well did we I mean, like okay. is it a backstory because I interpret it as like Nancy being like well this crazy fucking dream guy is trying to kill me. Like, I'm just going to research survival. So I have a show. Like, I thought she was going to start, like, setting up, like, dream booby traps, even. Like, <laughs> yeah. So her, her, her immediately yeah. thinking
2: about booby traps in her house, though, is very specific, right? Like, yeah. survival in general and... I'm going to rewire things and change doors and all that kind of stuff. That's Especially two different Free things. Home
1: Alone, like where's she getting these <laughs> this the idea? Blueprint. She's the <laughs> yeah, blueprint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She
2: but is. I wonder if it's like, so <laughs> it's, it kind it of counts. is implied that some of the, her attitude and some of the ways that she acts is because of her dad and that they clash a little bit. And I wonder if being a cop's daughter is the context that people would have had where it's like, that's I much think- more of a common thing seeing it around. Honestly, mm-hmm. I
4: think it's both her father and her mother because yes, yes, her mom. mother at yeah. the end says to her, You face things. That's your nature. And it's, right. and in my head, I was like, Girl, and that's not her nature. Nine. She faces it because you don't face it. Also, <laughs> um,
1: yeah. um, hey, the mom right. gets bars over every window in this house in a single school Instant.
3: day. Incredible. Yeah, Two hours impressive good service. I mean, a lot of people. Nancy herself sets up all those traps in like twenty minutes.
5: One of them has to swing open for the fire escape. That that house is not to code now. They all have to move. Come
2: on, like this. (laughs) There's (laughs) no way they all have to
5: move. I feel like the mom would be afraid of
2: being trapped in the house too. Like, girl, like it locks from the inside, like with a key now. Like that's illegal, illegal. Like that's triple illegal. Yeah.
5: And the fire safety does do her in the end in one of the person, well, not really. I gotta say
1: with the fire, like that was so much actual fire on the ground and Heather Langenkamp looked actually barefoot walking and around all that ground fire. the fire
5: walk yeah. is like intense in this was, one
1: however yeah. much hairspray you need to just have a hair in an 80s movie dude she's yeah. like more
4: hair than human i drew it so many versions way. of her while watching this where she it's just mostly hair you know
6: it's yeah. great you she got that, that streak like, oh dude, oh dude, she goes she gets a streak 80s, 80s road really yes the streak is so good like
9: <laughs> yeah. it's like
0: it's chunky like, highlights. Um,
6: it's, yeah. but it's like the sign that they always give to like older men that they're very stressed and that something terrible mm-hmm. has happened in their lives so like giving it to a teenage girl in this context is amazing and her hair gets bigger like as oh like yeah. she's yeah. like character like yeah. she's rogue she's okay.
5: rogue right like, it just yeah, like exactly. gets bigger okay.
6: and like it's like <laughs> containing all her rage it's great it's like I a Miyazaki always, thing the, where they, yeah, the, the feelings I
1: movie. had when she said oh I look t- like I'm 20 <laughs> I was like ouch really <laughs> yeah I I like I saw
4: it as less of a stress thing and something that goes to an older person and more of a you just got the shit scared out of you because you know in a yeah, lot definitely. of cartoons yeah. if you get super scared your hair turns white also you know mm-hmm. uh Haley Jo in Sixth Sense his hair also turned white because he was scared of these ghosts so I thought it was just like you know she's fucking scared.
2: I feel like <laughs> her fear response being, I'm going to fuck you up, is is real gangster. Like, that's some real gangster. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't work. I'm fucking fitted.
1: I actually <laughs> I'm think that's a great segue to something. I really wanted to talk about this movie, especially with the special things. Because that whole attitude reminds me of a movie that I feel like this took a lot of influence from, which is the Evil Dead series.
7: Yes, that they yeah. were, which watching. makes a cameo in
0: that yeah. movie. Yeah, she's watching he's Evil watching dead. dead. That's such yeah. like
1: the Ash Williams response of like supernatural shit is going down. I'm gonna violence it.
3: It's it right. is really interesting to see that the seeing the Sam Raimi right there in the movie and thinking about like all the slashers that came out before the the, uh, the especially the iconic ones with Friday the Thirteenth and Halloween and now we're we've added like this cockamamie mythological supernatural part to it uh, which is still very terrifying but also kind of fun you know He's
2: funny
3: yeah like Freddy's funnier, funny but- oh, yeah. Freddy's has more fucking personality than rod does he's but, having a good yeah. time i yeah. mean Ooh,
4: i disagree with that that's in the whole reason... movie
2: in the first movie <laughs> no overall. no
4: personality in that movie he has more personality
2: <laughs> than rod I he, he has a good line though his good line
5: <laughs> is uh, is the uh, it, it, I felt like some of his early reveal in the movie wasn't that strong, which is shocking because like it's all about the films. middle, the immediate bad guy reveal. It clearly yeah. says this is God. That is a fucking opening line from your bad guy, right? <laughs> like and i don't think he other than the tongue coming out of the phone i don't know that he quite touches that again this movie well he does but do the a tongue I god
0: it's like well, freddie does a lot of like physical body comedy in this movie as compared does. to like again. jokes and yelling bitch at people yes. which he does and he's got His popping out line. of you know tubs and walls and things like that, that-
1: that's one I of mean, the funniest the man falls downstairs <laughs> that I've ever seen. Man falls downstairs on it's fire. So wait it's way better way. than Bowie falling down the stairs in the hunger. Way no. funnier stair falling. I mean, I think everything that
3: he's doing is funnier than what David Bowie does well, in the hunger, but
1: I am I am sorry to just <laughs>
3: remind us about that.
5: Controversial thing. opinions.
6: <laughs> I was sorry. gonna say, but I think like one of the things and you know, like, I yeah, I don't feel like Freddie's personality as the character that the iconic character he becomes is like fully formed in this movie, but you wow. see elements of it beginning to build. And like what ends up ha- like one of the best things that ends up happening with Freddie is, and part of it is also just Robert England, who who is, you know, just like incredibly charming. It you get to this point where like Everybody likes Freddy more than they like the teenagers he's killing.
2: Um, <laughs> yeah. you know. Well, <laughs> and best uh, iconic thing is the got your nose, and then he fucking. Oh my it. god, that's
1: so much, and it's just <laughs> it's part of the thing. the whole thing of like the killing in the dreams. Like, I especially knows like Halloween and Friday the Thirteenth. It's like okay, a lot of throats getting slashed and people just getting stabbed, and it's a lot of just slashing and stabbing. Like with Freddy, like. Every kill is like this, like carnival ride. Like, what's yeah, he, he, he going to do it. next? I mean, we do start this
0: film with a DIY sequence of Freddy crafting. So, you know.
1: Yeah. Which, what a favor to the to cosplayers. The just showing you yeah, how, how to make the cosplay in the movie. Very, like, very uh, considerate like that. Well, we've been wanting, honestly.
5: <laughs> Freddy in the boiler room is ready for Maker Fest. Yeah,
1: just think I instead of like Absolutely. killing kids, he could have started a YouTube crafting channel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just a few we decades. Encourage you so all to take really. this route. If you feel like <laughs> killing
0: kids? Just start a YouTube crafting channel instead.
1: Yeah, and make them knife
3: gloves. You know yeah. for. For fun, do we think that, that there is like so like Perfect. the whole knife hands
5: thing? You know, this is post the introduction of Wolverine, but pre Wolverine being super ubiquitous in our culture. Do folks feel like there's any kind of connect? Do we think Chris Craven mm-hmm. reads X Men? I guess is my question. Yeah, I don't
1: totally. Know. Yeah, he's, he's a- definitely. 100%. I mean, DreamWorks is Evil the super X Men. Yeah. Does yeah. that have yeah. knife hands and in Evil Dead? And, and between the knife hands and the healing, I've heard Wolverine described as a slasher as a superhero.
2: I feel like I the knife hands in this is more like, it's like bad touch to me. Like, I yes. think that that's one of the things that was left yeah. over from that version. Yeah. So you're just like, yeah, that's. Yeah. Yeah. It
4: and was like, either that or he read X Men and it was like, yeah. well, wouldn't that be scary? Or both.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like to think it was very, I like to think like X Men Fanag, it was like, we're doing half a lady Death Strike.
3: <laughs> oh <my> god. <laughs> was Lady Deathstrike in the comics at that point? Oh, I don't think so. Uh, in eighty four, is this eighty four? Yeah,
1: eighty four. Yeah. yeah. Me. Ooh, that that sounds. You like no. have oh. to look it up, but it was yeah, the Eighty
2: yeah, three in the eighties.
1: Oh yeah. no, nope, Death not strike. as Lady Deathstrike. Nope, not as Lady Deathstrike until oh, eighty yeah. six. Yeah.
2: Okay, all
0: right. Deathstrike Lad. Um, in this. Maybe <laughs> maybe
2: then you know Claremont read uh, watched this movie and was like,
3: "This is good." yeah well <laughs> also we got the hair streak right yeah we got the knife hands it's
0: circular it's all,
3: uh... oh my god
4: someone saw it was like claremont you gotta see this movie just just watch it and well, you know he stole shit like... from
2: everywhere like literally <laughs> yeah. every, like the hellfire like club like everything in that you're like i know what you were watching like i'd I like literally, to think it was uh-huh. like
1: it was like in back to the future it's like Hey, Clem, Chris, it's me, your cousin. I got that hot new 80s hairstyle you were looking for. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Um, Alana, please. Alana, please.
0: Yeah, Yeah, Alana wants to talk about people being barefoot in this movie.
5: (laughs) Okay, so not to get too back to Die Hard again, but one of the other things that's surprising in this movie is how much people are not wearing shoes, which I think is interesting because when you (laughs) sleep, you don't wear shoes. I mean, God willing. (laughs) <laughs> um and also when you're dead you don't wear shoes i think i like i don't know right wait i don't know what dead. i don't know what they
7: do oh. i don't know it's don't, been we a while since i've had put, an open they casket they fully dress you and that includes the shoes yeah. sometimes unless they, they're cremating they you shoes. but usually they have you in clothes when they cremate you too and i know way too yeah. much about
1: this this is helpful. Jesus? You
4: I know enough, enough about it that you answer the question. So. But
6: there is... I'm exactly. It out there. I um, want to be
1: barefoot. Just get real nice suit, but barefoot when I die.
6: There is just symbolism. There is symbolism in removing shoes. Um, and I only know this because I took a Tolstoy class in high school. Um, mm-hmm. And anytime someone removes their shoes in Tolstoy, they're going to die.
9: Um, wow.
6: And, oh. but, and it's not just Tolstoy. Like, that's a a like common theme of like certain European folklores is that when people, like people removing their shoes is like creating a vulnerability,
1: Um, which makes
6: sense. It makes makes sense from a logistical perspective as well. But that is like definitely a thing that there, I don't know that, you know, it's symbolism that we still really follow today, but it was symbolism that was recognized in the 19th century pretty widely. I mean, interesting. I grew up with my grandmother telling me that if you walk barefoot,
2: there are demons going to get in your feet. So I don't know. Maybe that's widespread. I don't know. Well, that's, maybe a, that's oh, interesting. The the thing, but um, I
0: don't know. Maybe there were just well, demons in your house. I mean, I, I
2: was yeah. exercised when I was nine. So um, that's very possible.
1: Wow. In terms of, what? Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah. That's okay. a, in, So I guess, geez, how the hell do I follow that up? <laughs> <laughs>
5: Keep it rolling. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah. and so
1: not so much in terms of the folklore, but in terms of just the cinema having kind of like a marker of death. It reminds me of the 1920s Scarface, uh, Shame of the Nation, where anytime an X appears, there's about to be a death.
2: That's interesting. Mm. Hmm. I rewatch the Freddy movies, all of them, to see if that's like a reoccurring. Yeah. Um, also an ex-
0: Yeah, I- it was interesting that Alana pointed that out because uh, that really bothered Alicia when we were watching the movie, especially. <laughs> The scene, the scene where she runs out into the street and runs to the police station. Yeah, uh, and it turns out she's dreaming the whole time. So like there's yeah. a logical reason for her to be barefoot there Is uh, that within the logic then? of the movie. But if so, um, I think um,
4: it, it may be an indication enjoy- that in- she's
2: asleep. Yeah. Or or yeah. other people too, right? Like if. Like, when Rod gets captured, he has no shoes, right? He doesn't have a shirt either, just a jacket.
5: Yeah.
0: Yeah. He apparently Kool-Aid manned out
1: the windows, so. He (laughs) sure (laughs) did. That frame was the second story. Speaking of how, like, we find Rod when he's arrested, how are we feeling about John Saxon using his own daughter as bait? To catch someone that he believes oh my is God. And a murderer of teenage It's so women.
2: upsetting.
5: All you cops are worse. bad, especially him. Yeah, he literally,
2: is it's like you shouldn't bad. have been out here. And you're like, whoa. You know, I mean, when you said,
4: "What were you even doing out yeah. here?" My first thought was like, "So was she not bait?" Like, it made me immediately think, "Okay, so maybe she wasn't bait, and her father was just it. Just happened that they found her because." Why would he say, what are you even doing out here, if she if she was bait?
7: I think he was victim-blaming, basically, because yeah. he's, she's like, you used me as bait. Know. He's like, well, you shouldn't have been out here in the first place. So. Like, You, should, was not, she was you, you shouldn't have, have been like usable.
1: It. Whose fault is it that you were usable as bait? Exactly. No, it, just,
4: it felt very much like uh, a happenstance for him, like... She, he saw that she was out of the house and was like, oh, maybe we could use this, <laughs> you yeah. know, well, rather was... than being like, I'm just going to secretly follow my daughter, you know? Was that like- Because he seems like the kind of guy who who just wings things, <laughs> <Definitely>. <laughs> you know?
6: or, Oh yeah. Or like the kind of guy who's like, my daughter's out of the house and she shouldn't be. We're going to use this to set an example for her. Yes, that's oh, yeah. yeah,
4: not oh, like a, yeah. a planned. Thing. There's no way he went to bed Damn last night knowing she and- was going to be there. There's no way.
3: And that's well, the, the thing is, the is that he, I'm sure that. that there's like a power dynamic between him and the mom. Yeah, I mean, there oh, is
0: actually clearly. Yeah, yeah there's
3: yeah, clearly that, that power totally dynamic true. now that I, yeah, where
1: and they're like, you- that feels just very 80s about this versus that kind of like, you know, quasi stuck in the fifties so much in the suburbs was like, this is a divorced household. Like She's that's something. Firm about they don't ever too. say so divorced
0: either. And they're still like referring they each other as like they're still referring to each other as like wife and husband. So like I don't know if it's an official divorce or they're just split up. It's a very 80s situation just generally. I
3: don't know. Yeah. they're separated. I feel yeah. like they're separated because when they, they when they first encounter each other, they have a very, very cold cold
6: exchange.
0: Yeah, people they still call refer each other. to her as his wife though. Yeah. Um, throughout the movie.
6: Yes, he does. Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. but a lot of super possessive dudes do that. Like that's mm-hmm. one of those things where when you yeah. when you look at like the character as a whole, that doesn't necessarily tell us anything about the status of the relationship because like if you're the kind of guy who uses your daughter as bait, you also definitely are still refer to your ex as she belongs she yeah. does. Yes, and also so the fact that
3: they have a kid together.
6: Like she's a, she's never like my ex
2: husband or this or that. Like she does, she says your father or like whatever in in that way. It could just be that she's trying to not make it shitty for Nancy, but I, I wonder, I wonder if it is purposefully ambiguous did as it, opposed to like thoughtlessly ambiguous. Did
1: it bother? I think it's any- purposefully.
4: Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, I did would it, agree. Yeah. Did it bother anyone how often they refer to a Ruger? Yes. No. Yes. yes. That was that so weird. So, to me. so weird. It was so weird
6: it. because like. I forgot, you know, I forgot that that's that. Really, he was Fred in the first movie, and they only really used Freddie in the in the skipping rhyme at first. Yeah. he calls him yeah, and Freddy then, too. Yeah, and then go the further, Freddy Frederick Krueger. No, right. Fred I man. think it's it Friedrich, Friedrich von Kruger. Friedrich von
4: Kruger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think, I think it bothered it's, me because I feel like you have to be closer to someone to call them Freddy. I don't think that we earned Freddy until we finished the first movie. By mm. the end of the
1: movie, he yeah. is definitely on a Freddy basis.
0: I feel like he definitely refers to himself as, to the children that he's going to murder as like their pal Freddy. Yes, he's that right. right. yeah. kind of guy.
2: That's yeah, definitely only and we don't see
4: that until yeah. we finish the movie because that's, that's when what. we know the full story. So until then, he's Fred Krueger, Mr. Kruger to you. It's in his hat. Yeah, but I think that that makes <laughs> sense. It's
3: on his hat. Well, yeah, and I, Mr. Krueger,
0: if you're nasty.
3: <laughs> we all should have known that the fedora was a red flag, but the um, yeah, real.
4: Yeah. Okay, hold but, on.
0: Let's talk about. It. I do want to talk about uh, a bit of a red flag here, which this was the thing that I, I noticed more this time is the toxic masculinity between the two like young men in this um, mm-hmm. in that like it is clear from the direction that both Glenn and Rod are also having these dreams because mm-hmm. every time yeah. they start talking about them both Glenn and Rod like look up like the, the what now the who with what um, well, yeah, yeah, it sounds very 30, familiar 000, but they never admit to it they never talk about it. They never like try and work it out. They never try and uh, in, they never admit to being scared at all.
4: Rod does. Yeah, that's yeah, because well, guys don't have dreams.
0: To, Rod, Rod does once. Yeah. yeah, as, as yeah. far as I
4: know, <laughs> men do not have dreams. They don't have <laughs> dreams. They don't have nightmares. That's what Glenn so this says. This is how women don't
3: poop. You know, it's <laughs> <laughs> it's just facts. Right? <laughs> Apparently, unless you're Balinese, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah sure. which is like that's not we a thing.
0: Wait, Bell and these women do
1: poop? No, <laughs> <laughs> like there's Sorry. some combination of dreaming and pooping, and we're gonna figure <laughs> it out. I, hate I, hate it. It out. It's I There's no a correlation way. here.
4: Look, but yeah, it was super weird when like Tina and Rod were in bed, and Tina was explaining her her nightmare, and Rod, he doesn't answer her question of, "Wait, did you see him too?" He says. Guys have nightmares too. Good night. And it's like, that's not an answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All. Also, she never said that guys don't have nightmares. She never ever even insinuated that. She literally was just like, Tell me about the dream that I believe you had, you know? So yeah. a very Fucking weird defensive. conversation. Yeah. Well, he's like, yeah. he's like,
0: that preemptive guy.
1: defensiveness. And Glenn
0: is in full-scale denial. Like, yes, even mm-hmm. as she is telling him about this and about her plan. About how he definitely needs to come over at midnight to help her with cool. this, like he's just like, yeah, whatever. Like, the I'm not going to pay any attention to this. Yeah. It's just a nightmare. It's just stupid girl
1: stuff. He feels um, her he every falls time. asleep.
7: Yeah, every you had time. one oh, job, Glenn.
2: The... You had one job. i, think I also had that in no my not notes.
1: You that. had I one did. job, Glenn. My
0: wife's favorite bit was, of this movie is the first time he falls asleep. And and she, like she yells at him, she's like, "You fucking failure! What are you doing? All you had to do yeah. was yeah. stay awake and wake me up if I started
1: moving, and you went to sleep." Yeah. It's honestly we're, some we're big like villain, supervillain berating her henchman energy.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it really is. It the, is. The genius, the genius thing though, is that in this movie, all like all of these characters and all of their foibles and all of the shit that doesn't line up, it can still be. Uh, at least, day. I don't know if explained is the word, but excused I guess because it's maybe it's all a dream. All be a dream. Sure, right? Sure. I think um, especially it. with that ending. What, yeah. yeah, yeah.
4: What's everyone's favorite scene from the movie? I have a favorite scene. My sure favorite was. scene is when she's in the hallways and she's following Tina Ed, wrapped in plastic, and <laughs> she runs into the hall past girl. And she goes, where's your pass? And Nancy's like, screw your pass. And it was like, she was so offended that that hall monitor asked her for a hall pass that I was like, she and that hall monitor have history. No question. No question. And then it's just like cool to see the hall monitor go back, with the glove in her hand. I don't know. I, I think that scene entirely is like what makes this movie one of my favorites.
1: I, I, I gotta give it to... Nancy seeing a man on fire, strangling her mom, and just immediately going for the like hit, like hitting him over the back of the chair. <laughs> like it's just the movie being imaginative, creepy, and Nancy being a take charge badass. Yep,
8: gotta I say just... for me, it's it's a uh, Freddie's glove hand coming up from the backwater. It's yeah.
0: mm. oh, oh, so like oh wait shit it's yes. okay, so interesting <laughs> like, to like, Mom. read about too because like they filmed that by putting the tub inside of a pool mm-hmm. like the tub doesn't yeah. have a bottom they put it inside the pool and then like literally have him diving under her and pulling her into the pool um, there's
2: got to be better ways to do that
1: like no but I yes. yeah considerations but- they had to have to pull off everything in this movie it's a triumph of that like they like succeeded in creating so many imaginative effects that like hell 35 years later still look amazing yeah
3: yeah i really like that pool scene um or well the bath scene i guess <laughs> now it's cool scene, the pool,
0: scene. Yeah. The pool scene now and yeah, also when his tongue made a laser his Freddy it was pretty presses great. it through above her is easily the yes.
7: that's a great scene yes. where you yeah. just like there and then he like disappears Although all of a sudden i
0: have to admit that uh that bit where they where the kid is reading shakespeare and they drop out the sound beneath him oh. and start stretching out where he's like oh. And I would count myself a king of infinite space were it not that I have bad dreams. And his
2: house like is dead. totally dead. dead. Completely yeah. dead. Again, so another good. scene
1: I like of Nancy being like, kind of take charge and proactive is really in that first scene when she's like, well, I'm going to try to get out of this dream myself. Like, Time to intentionally burn myself to force myself mm-hmm. out of the Like, again, I just love how just... At- no point during this movie is she passive like she's always thinking and being active and like and taking charge
3: totally <laughs> that shit bro- glenn doesn't seem to bat an eye when she's like oh yeah i burned myself in english class
2: no one does <laughs> yeah. yeah right <laughs> the- and she's still oh. bleeding like later
6: that, in the day.
0: Too. <laughs>
6: <laughs> that line is like so funny because how do you burn yourself in English class is the question right it's like (laughs) and it's just there like the statement is there without any Mm. yeah it's so good like other than other than kind of like the final takedown scene and the like the home alone setup stuff (laughs) one of the one of the scenes that I felt really really held up for me and I don't want to say it's a favorite scene because it's a really upsetting scene is um is Rod's Rod's death in the Mm, in the jail like that scene because i still had that like suspense feeling of like oh no oh no no you got to get there in time you got to get there in time and like they're not listening to her and something terrible is going to happen and it's just so even though i know exactly what happens i've seen this is probably like the fifth or sixth time i've seen this movie it was still like i wanted them to be able to stop it and that's like the mark of good suspense to me Mm -hmm. what
1: um Mm -hmm that scene actually to me i would say is the most existentially terrifying scene um especially you know just with everything going on in the news right now especially regarding uh rikers just realizing how easy it is for someone to be killed in the the prison system like how yeah Yeah. dangerous can be and again without nancy there to be like no this was like a murder something's up like every cop is writing this off as just like again how many like killings are just like hidden and buried and in- i found yeah. just very existentially terrible like scary
3: yeah mm-hmm. and the uh the the fact they put him in the ground immediately like there's no investigation or right anything. yeah it's like over
4: a couple of days you know so yeah maybe they did do an investigation but it's like a week later but or maybe what's well, your funny. favorite scene i, w- I want to make sure everyone gets a chance to say what their favorite scene is
7: <laughs> um probably wow. the hand coming up through the legs scene it's it's so sexual and mm-hmm. creepy <laughs> it is. That, and when he's um pressing against the wall and you can see his face and then he just disappears
5: my favorite scene is the music video for Dream Warriors from Docket. <laughs> <Ed. laughs>
7: well, if we're talking about other movies, then my favorite scene would be where the parakeet explodes. In oh the
6: my movie. god! <laughs> so we watched that this weekend, and my husband had never seen it before. And we get mm-hmm. to that scene, and the for the the bird shows up on on the bird show up on on screen, and he was just like. Something bad's gonna happen to the birds, isn't it? <laughs> yeah.
7: It explodes into fire because it got cheap bird seed.
1: <laughs> and that's why you don't throw rice at weddings anymore. Yeah. Exactly. Ooh. Or feed
3: that's ducks true. bread. They turn into
1: fireballs.
3: So
2: first is the funeral scene because that priest is fucking brutal. He's that terrible. guy, what I was like, yeah, I this guy. Holy <laughs> shit. Like,
3: this <laughs> motherfucker lived by the sword. He was bad, and he died that a was bad the death. Wildest thing to say about a
2: 15 year old who died in a prison cell that I've yeah. ever heard. I yeah. Was like, mm-hmm. Wow. This town sucks. I have <laughs> like, to imagine that, that that
1: priest is head? like, that, that <laughs> priest is like unretained. Like he's a special like police priest who goes around and <laughs> he's is exactly like, I'll make sure <laughs> this, oh, person, I'll make, the this person doesn't God. get any sympathy. Real
3: um, quick i have seen catholic funerals that are almost that bad
2: sure we've all been to weird fucking church events yeah but that was <laughs> it stuck out so much to me because yeah no one showed Rod's sympathy except for nancy not even his own girlfriend <laughs> like i mean he like was nancy a shithead was the only one. sure but we don't know why i mean look okay. at his dad's mullet zero reaction his mullet.
1: from his parents Jeez. his parents just sitting there Right. faced
2: um, i feel so like any normal parents would have
8: like put that in priest hair. in the ground yes, with yeah. yeah
2: yeah um and my second is the scene where the mom tells nancy what happened i feel like she deteriorated so fast that it seemed like she would not be useful again like and that's a really cold way to put it but then she tries to give nancy what she needs to survive even though she can't help her physically mm-hmm. she's just like here's the information you're gonna need um and i thought it was a really mm-hmm. nice moment of vulnerability where you're like you're not set up to think that she's weak or fucked up or any of those kinds of things you're just like oh like why everyone in this room is the way they're-. um so yeah. I, I really thought that that was a great scene and of course like all the cool effects watching glenn die was great i hate that yeah. guy so. <laughs> yeah, that
0: I mean, is, yeah
2: <laughs> that's probably the best scene from this movie and
0: to what take it a, a different death. direction i really enjoyed uh i just sent you guys a picture of it there's uh the scene that's in the dream lab while the mom and the doctor are talking very seriously about what's going on with Nancy there's a giant poster of like a cat leaning <laughs> out of a trolley car in the back
1: yeah don't oh, <laughs> no, yeah. forget about the cat's it's very the fetching guy. sweater <laughs> oh. yeah that's really great it's a I meme
0: oh
6: wow
1: <laughs> yeah but, it's, a, it's
6: like an 80s meme where you have to print it out and hand it to yeah someone. yeah it's the only thing, the thing, thing that thing feels like in there like
1: a missed yeah. opportunity and again to break with like reality a little bit i wish that cat was wearing freddy sweater
2: that would be oh my so God.
1: good yeah. what a
3: missed opportunity uh, yeah this right. is a this is a kitten riding a cable car <laughs> <laughs> from giant kitten a giant kitten in a, like a San christmas Francisco. sweater it's riding a, a cable count. car up i guess lombard street or some shit with fucking <laughs> this, this fucking this very serious doctor's
0: office in this very serious scene in this movie
3: yeah and <laughs> next to it below that
6: his dream is what it is
3: yeah there's something below that that looks like it could be yeah, like an a, aubrey beardsley <laughs>
0: <image>. <laughs> they could just print out things from people's dreams back there that's just yeah, that's yeah just a that true, dream. Lab. uh all right, so it's, it's about time for us to wrap this up. Before we go, though, I want to give everybody a chance to recommend something. If people like Nightmare on Elm Street, um, obviously mm-hmm. we've talked about they should check out at least two and three. And I would add Wes Craven's New Nightmare to that as well. Oh, yeah, um, that
4: one's yep. my favorite one. Yeah, because
0: yep. that's got a whole, whole meta textual thing that is just like right up my alley. Um, yeah. Is there uh, anything else people would recommend that uh, anyone check out if they just love Nightmare on Elm Street?
7: I would definitely check out the um, documentary called Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street. It's about um, the guy in, who basically plays the Scream Queen in the second Nightmare on Elm Street movie. And not only does it talk about like the horror genre and like gayness in movies, it talks about like being gay in the 80s and kind of his own personal journey and like coming to terms that he was like the first screen queen and embracing this movie as being like this gay cult classic but one of the best documentaries oh sorry
2: yeah he's no i'm sorry sorry. no no no. go ahead
5: see i've met him at cons before he's like awesome
7: he's the sweetest i got his autograph once and like he took a picture with me for free just um, because we were talking about like um AIDS research and stuff and I told him how I used to like do that um and he he's the sweetest guy if you ever get a chance to meet him definitely
3: what's his name again Mark Patton Mark, yes. Mark
7: Patton thank you
3: Mark Patton all right yeah, I am so I'm going going to watch
0: to... watch Nightmare 2 and then watch Scream comma Queen which is the documentary about that
1: I am yes. going to recommend a movie we've covered here on this podcast Uh, another slasher movie that i think is a well done example of the genre that's a lot of fun and is stupendously explicitly very very queer is hellbent
9: Mm. the Mm. gay slasher
1: film as it brands itself but yeah another really fun slasher film and then check it and then if you haven't heard our uh episode on it check out our episode (laughs) on it yeah (laughs) nice circular plug
3: <laughs> Hellbent is available on YouTube, and I don't think it is available anywhere
0: else. So <laughs> I'm excited. Thank you. I'm- Last time You're I checked, welcome. it was on the Here Channel's website, and that was the only place other than YouTube that I could find it.
5: <laughs> well, I'm going to say, folks should watch Deathbed, the Bed that Eats. um I have the DVD because oh. I wanted in a costume contest for dressing up as myself at my prom, but uh, I'm sure you can probably access it through less complicated memes
2: I think it's on Shutter. Yeah. I'm not 100.
0: I think um right. yeah, test and like, win to get this.
5: probably not. But yeah, I would say, you know, if you like 70s horror, which you should, if you like Art Nouveau, which I mean who amongst us doesn't want to watch a horror movie about portrait of Dorian Gray with Aubrey Beardsley style interstitial art, yes. like it's 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 just really great aesthetic. I don't know that it's really great anything else, but it's really great aesthetic.
3: Isn't Aubrey Beardsley's ghost the narrator? Yeah from okay. inside the painting from inside the painting yeah <laughs> wow. uh,
2: i guess i have two uh one is uh whatever jason movie whatever friday the 13th is where he goes to hell i don't remember which number oh, it yeah yes i know <laughs> yes. that's it i don't remember what number in the series but uh that may be is nine so hilarious and also connects to this to this franchise yeah. as well um but the the fun that you eventually have in the Freddy movies, I would argue actually that this one is also fun just because he seems like a playful scamp. Uh, you have that much fun in that movie because they stopped taking anything seriously and they were like, just, just go. And also there's like the main characters, including the girl are pretty badass. And so you, you get a lot of fun. Um, and also uh, a more serious question mark uh, is, uh, is a book actually. Um, uh, Opus by Satoshi Kon does a lot of dream stuff in and out of reality stuff scary bad guy that you don't know who or what the fuck is going on super good and it's beautiful
0: super good so she comes up so often on this podcast
2: <laughs> on
3: too and soon it's good it's on good yeah
0: yeah you
4: never miss. um i'm gonna recommend a fast footage movie uh, <laughs> i'm Woohoo! gonna recommend behind the mask the rise of leslie Verna Yes, it's great for if you love the ideas of slashers. So not just watching it, but watching like how slashers are are done throughout the times. And and it was made in 2006. So uh, should be pretty easy to find. I think it's on like sling or something right now, Uh, but it's it's fantastic. And if you are like me and want uh, to not start a movie off
7: with world building,
4: (laughs) <laughs> and I recommend watching Behind the Mask.
6: That's a really, really good one.
7: It also has Robert Englund in it. It does. Mm-hmm. And
4: he's a great character in it too.
6: <laughs> so I'm also going to recommend another Robert Englund movie with the caveat that A, I'm a huge Robert Englund fan and with and B, I'm also a really big fan of really bad slasher movies. Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't seen the 1989 Phantom of the Opera that Robert Robert Englund stars in, oh, it,
9: it is,
6: God. it's ridiculous. Oh it, and it's very much trying to turn the Phantom of the Opera into Freddy Krueger. So like, Ooh. instead of like, there's this whole plot where like the Phantom's mask is sewn from the skin of his victims. Um, <laughs> and like, and there's this whole dream plot where the main character is a modern day opera singer but then she has a dream that she goes back to the 19th century and like so i highly highly recommend it to anybody who loves the um loves the nightmare on elm street movies uh, i don't necessarily recommend it to anybody else <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness.
3: um i am going to recommend a couple of films that we have covered on this podcast and um, those would be Hellraiser and Hellraiser to Hellbound. Mm. Woo-hoo. Um, yes. And Alana has been there with us Good for movies. those, they're a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> in like a, a scary way, it's like if if uh, Freddie wasn't as funny, um, and was in like a flesh world
1: instead of a boiler room, there's um, also a
4: lot of great lines in that movie, too. Lots of cool.
1: Oh, I yeah. I can't well, see like Freddy versus Pinhead, but I can see them being just one hell of a two-act, like two-man comedy duo. I mean, no doubt.
4: <laughs> no doubt.
1: Would Pinhead be the straight man? Pinhead Definitely. would that, totally be the straight man. Yeah. He's got like that dry, like that dry, deadpan oh. humor to go with Freddy's <laughs> wacky, like, and, and humor. <laughs>
6: I do have to object because neither of them are straight. I
1: know. <laughs> that's, know? Why, no. that's why I was yeah, that, have that shit yeah, is pretty on gay. Yeah.
3: <laughs> um yeah that the and if you like satoshi conan dream stuff you know it's paprika yeah um also perfect perfect oh, blue, blue I, that's good. A, that's a really good one that's a lot more horror and does does also deal with subjective reality um and if you want to watch that with natalie portman just watch black swan um
0: <laughs> yeah also covered previously on this podcast. Also, I yes. think Perfect Blue might now hold the record for things that aren't Neon Jealous as Evangelion that we've uh, recommended on this show. But I
1: think we hit okay. four times. In terms times of so. anime, <laughs> uh, I mean, I yeah. can connect any suburban horror back to Diamond is Unbreakable if you want. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, we
3: could. I could talk about Evangelion and how it would be. Anyway, there's subjective reality on that, but it's different. It's more of an Andromeda strange.
0: Yeah, in addition to the freddy stuff i would also recommend if you're a fan of this movie uh i mean wes craven is great um and yep. you know if you haven't checked out the scream movies which we've talked about one and two on here i'm also a big fan of red eye which is another situation where you have a oh, so uh, good. there's only there's only really one girl to be the final girl there's not like a whole bunch of yeah. people that die but like <laughs> she does hit a motherfucker with a truck and there's a car in this movie um yeah, and it's really fantastic. I'm a big fan of like late life Wes Craven stuff, like Red Eye and yeah. Cursed, which are really like weird horror takes, but are so much fun. Um, so does yeah, she hit recommend... Killian
3: Murphy with the truck? Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh
9: the
0: that truck great. and a fire extinguisher. I think some <laughs> oh, knives. Like he gets he gets taken to town on that for being a the serial killer of the movie. He's
3: a good. He's he's a good actor. Sometimes I look at his pretty little face and I'm just...
4: Yeah, he's got a really punchable face. That's for sure. When, yeah. when
3: he's being like a cocky son of a bitch. Like that's yeah. that whole movie. For me, I was like, ooh, I just like, I saw that movie immediately. I'm like, oh, punching him. I can take
4: this guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to punch
3: the <laughs> shit. I'm going to punch him right out of this plane.
0: What makes the movie partially so enjoyable is the first half of it is her, him tormenting her. And the second half of it is her beating the shit out of him.
3: Yeah. I want to watch
0: that now. That's fantastic. Rather than having everybody uh, list their stuff, I'm going to put it all in the notes. So definitely, I mean, follow everybody. Most people have been on here at some point already, but you can find all of their information about who they are and what they do in the notes. So you know, jump on there and follow everybody on there. Um, But I do want to thank everybody for joining us. This has been a ball. I love talking about this movie and uh, this one I actually enjoyed watching too, which is nice. Yeah,
6: (laughs) it's a fun
1: film. A nice change of pace this month.
6: Well, thank you for having us all. This was so fun and it was so nice to see everyone. For sure. Yeah. Thank you,
1: everyone. This has been an absolute blast. (laughs) And thank you all for wonderful uh, times and wonderful discussion. Yeah, keep
2: the dream alive, y'all.
0: Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) This this has been absolutely great.
0: Uh, Until next time, everybody, stay horrified. Progressively Horrified is created and produced by Jeremy Whitley. This episode featured Jeremy Whitley, Ben Kahn, Emily Martin, T. Fugner, Elizabeth Bree, Steens, Morgan, Vida Ayala, and Alana Levin. All opinions expressed by the commentators are solely their own, not intended to represent the intent or opinion of the filmmakers, nor do they represent any of the employers, institutions, or publishers of the commentators. Our theme music is Epic Darkness by Mario colo 6 is provided royalty-free from Pixabay. Support us on Patreon or contact us on Twitter at Pod or by email at progressivelyhorrified at gmail.com.